facial responses. <laughs> nope, you don't get any facial responses. But guess what? You are already live. Everybody, welcome to the Jameer Smith Show podcast. <laughs> Y'all, first of all, first of all, you guys know it is Black History Month and we are highlighting some fantastic, amazing entrepreneurs that are really just creating footprints in the industries. And I had to bring on this next guest who I am a huge fan of, but also I admire his tenacity and his work. So CEO, head designer, creative director, menswear and lifestyle brand, Octavius. Marson, how are you? I'm good. I didn't know you were talking about me. I was like, I am not doing this with you today. First of all, um, you know, I had another guest on and he had reminded me it is 2222. It so, is. Oh, That's a magical day, right? It's a magical day. So it's February. How has the year been for you so far? Happy, I guess, New Year ish. Uh, well, New Year has, has started off with a blast, um, and and you know this. I you know I went full entrepreneur in this brand because I believed in it so much, and so many people believed in me. So it's been six months, but I will say at the the top of the year has been super great, just across the board. And you know it's it's so cool because you know it is just great to be uh, a black designer, a black male right now in this environment and everything because I, what i will say is you know black history month is a short month for us but what i will say uh i've been tapped for a lot of different things like i don't you know you know some of my background but i was a, a former olympic hopeful and i'm a, a graduate of georgia tech here in atlanta and i'm a hall of fame inductee for sports uh uh in 2006 uh, which is a, a prestigious award. It's very rare to even get it, but they're celebrating me this Saturday at the uh, halftime of Georgia Tech Clemson game. Doing, uh, yeah. So, yeah, 60 years of uh, black athletes, and uh, they picked 60 athletes, including myself, because I still hold the record. And uh, I'll be able to see some of my teammates that we broke the school record that still stands, and I haven't seen some of them in, like, 20 years. So I do that this Saturday, and, uh, I've got a, other, a couple of other things that are brewing um, right now that I'll, you know, you'll hear about this week. But I, I'm excited, you know, especially under, you know, what we've had to go through with the pandemic and, you know, shutting down for a year and all of us and dealing with, you know, all of us mental issues that have come because of that. I just think that um, I think we I can personally see the light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Well, and I have to say, honestly, you know, people that have followed your story, people you know, that follow, let's just say, even your Instagram. I think, you know, you have a story to tell and there's so many people that just look up to you. And so with all the accolades that, you know, that you are deserving of, I think that oh. it is definitely needed. And, you know, I, I, I talked about this actually at the end of last year. Um, we had a, uh, one of the writers from Insecure kind of tap in and, you know, uh, talk about what we were really finishing our season with with insecure it's about giving our flowers and yeah. i think you know while we are alive we have to continue to give people like you people that are creatives in this industry their flowers and their due and so what i was so attracted to about you is 
a tagline that I think is absolutely fantastic, which is be bold, be authentic, and be inspiring. Where did you That's get it. that from? You know, it was so funny because, you know, I'll be I'll be celebrating and, and you know, don't let the smooth taste fool you, but I'll be fifty years old and less than a year. So oh, he is lying. Number. Don't believe him. Do not believe him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so yeah, so everybody the gray hair is my trademark, but the gray hair is real. So the beard I dyed, but the gray hair is truly <laughs> my hair color. So uh, you know, some of my students when I was working at the art institute, um, you know, thought it was a dye and I would always call it, yeah, it's called old. But I say all that to say that it took me a long time to really capture the essence of what people saw in me that I, you know, as a creative, sometimes you don't see what I, you're, you're never a, um, a front row participant. Someone told me that before. Um, you're never a front row participant to your particular play, right? Mm. And so, you know, whatever, what others see in me, uh, sometimes I'm always, I'm always, I won't even say shy about it, but I forget it. Like even getting, honored this Saturday it's a little intimidating because I'm just like oh I forgot I used to do some of those things but then I was told that that's the greatness that is happening so if you're always having things that are great that are continuing to happen then that happens sometimes you forget some of the accolades that you've done and you look back at it and you're like wow I don't remember that but I started to say that during that whole time because I've been in so I've done so many different type of things and I think that you know I've had to overcome a lot of uh, different obstacles including like coming to grips with my own sexuality and this kind of thing and and what I found out that a lot of these things that I actually over exceeded and overachieved in was because I was always um, um, fighting that that thing where people like would say um, you know um, is this because of your sexuality and then here I am you know in the athletic hall of fame and so if anybody ever found out if they did then i can always say well look at what i can do over here look what i can do over here but it became an inherent, an inherent part of me and then it was a good friend of mine who was a marketing major and who, who's a great and, and went on to do uh great things with like marketing for these huge companies like converse and all these different things and i was in new york one time and you know, I'm known for just, you know, I, I think it's regular for me, but sometimes I'll throw on a cake with some wands and, and I'll, you know, I'm already six four, so I'm super tall. So I have this kind of presence. And then I was remember being on the train in New York and everywhere I went, I lived in Rome for like three months doing a project, but everywhere I would go, I would just have people just stop and stare like every demographic from someone being three years old all the way up to, you know, 70 years old sometimes. And the common thread that I found out that when he looked at it, he said, you know what I tell you is he said, your whole thing, like people just come up to you. They don't know what to say, but they one thing they can say that you're bold, but they might not wear what you're doing, but you have this presence and you're authentically you. But the, uh, the underneath, the thing that's happening underneath, because I'm from Atlanta and I have this Southern charm is what they told me is that. You know, I continue to lead in service and I'm a sponge of everyone. I'm also like a lover of other creatives. So I don't really see myself in that light when people give me these accolades, including you. So first of you know, first of all, thank you for inviting me on your show. But when people give me these accolades, I still think the same thing about you. Right. Because yeah. I think that we all need to support each other. So he came up with this whole thing. You're, you're bold and inspiring and you're authentic. And I say, that's what it is, you know. Uh, I want people to see me, but I want to rub that off on them. And, and and if you can always just be just be bold, be your authentic self, but yet stay inspiring, everything else will kind of fall in place. And so 
I found that not only is not the thread to how what I do as far as what apparel I do, but it also falls in place of everything that I've always done from, you know, running track and doing music and continue to do what I'm doing now. As long as I stay in that mantra, um, you know, everything else kind of just falls in place. No, absolutely. And what I really want to now, you know, go into is let's talk about October 2021 okay. and Atlanta Fashion Week. Oh, yeah. I have to say I was blown away. And well, thank you for coming. Yeah, sure. <laughs> absolutely. And I have to say, yeah. I believe and, and, and hopefully I'm getting this correct. I think it was the Kill Bill collection. Yeah, that yeah. was just out of this world. Phenomenal. Where did you get this concept from? Because I don't know if you guys really follow or, or have ever purchased or have even seen, you know, this man's collections. But I mean, to shop your collections is just for me, I have to say couture. It is yeah. very, you know, uh, high end luxury fabrications to everything. But when you think about this collection, where were you? Where did you come up with this collection? Where was your mind and your spirit during this moment? You know, it was it was so funny. So, you know, I, I, I the, the essence of who I am as a designer, there's so many things from all my different lives that kind of funnel down into like what is presented, right? And so, you know, my first collection went viral when I did the all-white collection and Karamo from Queer Eye was in it and, and a couple of other people that just kind of gave her time so they believed in it. It just mm -hmm. kind of went viral. So I said, I want to do something different. So I had an opportunity to, but but again, there were some classic styles, but with a twist. And I always try to keep that that same thing, especially for menswear or now, now like uh, genderless. But I was um, had to go and do a, a job, believe it or not, in Beijing. I had never been to Beijing before. And what I found out with Beijing, not only the, the brilliant colors of like, uh, you know, red and golds and everything like that, but what was interesting about the architecture and also like just the way of life was, you know, if anybody knows about like the Asian cities and, um, you know, their, their, their technology is surpasses ours by a million times, right? Yeah. They have all this great technology, but in Beijing, cause that's where the great wall of China was. So I got a chance to visit the great wall of China and everything. So if you, if you go to Beijing and you go to the great wall of China, you see all the technology in the cities. But then when you go to the Great Wall of China, it's the most ancient thing that they still keep the same, the same way, even like the houses and the people. Um, it, it like it literally takes you back in time. So there's this mix of like, like I would continue, I would call it vintage with modern, right? Mm. So I just had this thing stuck in my head. It's like if I could ever like the dragons and everything, you'll see that like the the dragon, the gold, the gold dragon. I exemplified that in the in the some of, in the bomber and everything, but. That had always stuck in my head. And so I kept playing with this idea. I love the colors. I said, I want to do something like that. But then I started thinking about my life and everything that I've had to overcome. And everything that I've done, I've always considered myself the underdog, whether it was from track and field and uh, ended up being an underdog, but then, uh, you know, surpassed everyone I knew and went on to do, like, be on two United States teams and everything like that. And even been a suit maker as a as a black male starting off trying to do suits only 12 years ago and you have people that have been doing suits you know like tom force and all this and everybody before me in the gucci's for for hundreds of years right yeah and then yeah. i was like i'm an underdog in this and i said i want to be able to surpass that and then the epitome of that was that i go from 
being unknown until I get somebody winning an Oscar, which was Terrell McCraney uh, for Moonlight for original screenplay in 2017. Yeah, he wore my white tuxedo. And they consider that Jimmy Kimmel called it the best tuxedo of the night, right? Wow. So then, wow, uh, right. So that was that was what was happening. And so when I did this this Kill Bill collection, I started thinking about the movie, and I was like, "Hey, the colors are there, the fashion is there. There's this this kind of Asian spin to it, and it's all about you know Uma Thurman being like this underdog coming back to like." kill everybody right? <laughs> and i was like i was like there it is there it is the brilliant colors and so if you see the collection you'll see that i did a tuxedo where uh the obi belt was is a big thing in china so i i made the cummerbund into a, a obi belt on the outside of the the uh the tuxedo and i had these capes and i started out with the uh with the reds and the and the whites, the crimsons, and I ended it with the canary yellows because you know Uma Thurman had that canary yellow jogging exactly. suit, the black yep. stripe. Yep. So I just used that as inspiration, and um, I did all of these, you know, like these twelve looks, and I was able to do it before the pandemic, but I was really able to show it when you saw it at Atlanta Fashion Week, and the response had been incredible because it ended up just being a version of streetwear, and so even right off the Atlanta Fashion Week. Uh, runway we had some stuff that went to broadway for uh thoughts of a colored man and Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of actors got all the stuff so the whole collection just kind of went away and i started to having conversations with a lot of people and like i said i have a big announcement was coming out this week uh with a luxury brand that um we partnered with and so um it just continues to go now it's like now it's time to to do something else but um again i thank you for coming so you can actually see it in, in person but um yeah, that was the inspiration for it. Well, and I think to your point, you know, it's one of those things as creatives, we always want to push ourselves to next levels. And what does that look like? You know, and I had this conversation a few weeks ago about, you know, designers, you know, you guys have so much on your plate that you have to put out collections and really try and achieve better than what you did the season before. And I think always trying to not really recreate, but really you know, put pen to paper and then try and figure out, you know, what does your collection, your vision, your vibe look? And I have to commend you. You know, one of one of my favorite pieces, honestly, I remember it was like this crimson cashmere trench coat that was fantastic, something that I absolutely loved. And I mean, it's like you killed it and you kill it really Thank with you. every single look from that show. Your partner was phenomenal. Now, fiance, shout out to that. You know, he was absolutely graceful with the entire moment. So, you know, I have a lot of questions that people have sent in for definitely black designers and designers like you, and especially people that had even heard that you were going to be a part of the show. So one of the first questions is, when did you first realize you wanted to pursue a career as a designer? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I will say, uh, because also I'm 50 years old, I, I was born and raised in the inner city of Atlanta in the projects and Carver Homes, and I was the first person to graduate from college in any side of my family, including my mom and dad from Georgia Tech, and such a prestigious school that, as you can imagine, as, you know, and I have two younger brothers, but being a an African-American male uh, back in the, you know, I, I was born in the 70s, and my dad, who was a truck driver, my mom was a nurse's assistant, saw no other thing than 
they saw this kid in Atlanta in Georgia. I was, you know, talented and gifted and I was drawing and I was a creative kid that just was, you know, super creative. And immediately, as you can imagine, any black parent that saw their kid that was advanced is like they saw the drawing and immediately equated that to being a doctor or a lawyer. Because in their mind, that was a thing, you know, they didn't know what creativity could actually bring as far as financial stability. They just thought that that would correlate into other things, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, they pushed me to, to be ac- academically sound, but I had always had this in my in my veins, and, and, the, and my parents knew it, my family knew it. And uh, it's always been with me. I went on to Georgia Tech and ran track, but then... Um, you know, I thought I was going to be a mechanical engineer. I had all these thoughts, but in the back of my mind, I always like to draw and I always like to create. And I was always interested in fashion. And I just considered fashion an extension of my drawings and being able to make them in 3D. And because I was uh, someone who uh, didn't have a lot of money, uh, I always thought that if I could make my own things at some point, then I wouldn't have to worry about like the bullying, you know, on top of everything, especially like with what I was wearing. And then, um, you know, it was, and hopefully that's why I say being inspired by my story, but little people know out of all the celebrity placements that I've had, I still remember the day uh, that I decided to walk away from corporate America for being, working at a, a bank for 11 years as their youngest financial, I mean, the youngest vice president. I've always been super competitive. Walked away from that and I went back to design school at 36, I think. And I learned how to sew at Joanne's Fabrics. I learned how to make a pillow and some pajamas. But I had a great uh, teacher there that said, if you finish everything first, quick, then we can do some other things. Because I think I, I paid for a month. That ended up being the, the, the entryway to me going back to design school at Finham in Los Angeles at 36. And I got two degrees there. Everybody thought I was crazy because I literally walked away from my corporate job and said, I want to be the best suit designer, um, if not only in the United States, but in the world as a, you know, as a black male. And everyone's like, okay, you're right. <laughs> so um, through Caution to Win, and I did it. And believe it or not, my first collection um, off the runway after I got selected to come back to do a, uh, a second degree with Finham, and I got the one and only Bob Mackey scholarship. Wow. Um, I came back and I did a collection and literally off that runway uh, got picked up. I had a billboard with Chris Brown in Times Square. Uh, Mary J. Blige uh, uh, had had one of the outfits and she toured with Sam Smith and it was actually on her. um, It was the merch on her T-shirt and everything. And she sent me sent me the merch and T-shirt and ended up being on Braxton Family Values who saw that same show and uh, Ariana Grande, uh, the problem video. Uh, they got all that stuff. So it all came from that school show. And so that is what uh, put my stake in the ground as like, okay, I can do this. And not only can I do this, but I'm starting to get recognition for it. So it was proof of concept that I knew it, that I wanted to be a designer a long time ago. But again, for everybody out there that's pursuing a dream, um, don't waste time. And, and you don't have to be the youngest. I thought I would have to, if I wanted to be a designer, I should have been doing it since I was two years old. Uh, I literally touched the sewing machine for the first time on March 5th, 2010. Wait, well, pause, pause. That is, first of all, March 5th is my birthday, number one. Oh, so really? let's start there. But go ahead. Keep going. Oh, my God. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so March 5th, 2010. 
I I took a picture of the first time that I learned how to thread a sewing machine, and I said, let this be the start of something special. And I still have it in my phone, and I still have the pillow that I made. But yeah, March 5th, 2010, so it's what, 22 years? I mean, uh, 12 years that I've been doing this. I love it. You know, when you talk a lot about really Georgia Tech and and really elevating yourself with college, what is one of the most valuable lessons that you learned from Georgia Tech? You know, it's not only college, but it's also being able to be um, um, on the uh, on the on the track and field team because on the track and field team, um, all the all the concepts and all the the things that I've learned about life come from that. So, and, and you know, literally and figuratively. So I was uh, I ran the four hundred hurdles. So. One thing that my coach always taught me was to stay in your own lane. So I've been able to use that amongst, you know, a, 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 a sea of, you know, social media and everything like that. Like, uh, I think comparison kills. So I think everybody has their own lane and you just have to kind of follow that in your own story. So I've been able to, you know, apply that to my life. And even now, uh, the other thing is, if you can imagine, uh, to make the Olympic team, you literally are practicing for four years for about 45 seconds to make make an Olympic team. And if you don't make it then, you have to wait another four years. So what I've learned about that is, hey, practice makes perfect. And then the other thing is uh, consistency and hard work and patience. If you can think, like if people have to wait four years to go to, and you train for four years, um, I've kind of carried that over to my life too. And I think that that's where I thought that, you know, even starting late in life, I would consider it, uh, and going back to, you know, learning how to, uh, so, um, just 12 years ago, I use those philosophies. Like I can't compare myself to the Tom Forbes or anybody else. I'm my own person. And I have mm-hmm. to, uh, practice and I have to, uh, be patient with the practice um, and so I always, and I, and I thank my coach for instilling that in me. Um, and I think that that's been the, really the winning recipe in everything that I've actually, uh, learned how to do. I had this conversation in my last interview about how I started my year off and that was, um, you know, creating intentional goals for myself, but then also making sure that how I'm moving forward in my life is with intentions. And if you could go back and tell yourself one thing, Octavius, about, you know, how you started your career, what do you think that would be? Uh, let's Okay, phrase that question one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you could okay, go okay. back and tell yourself one thing before beginning your career, what would that be? Ooh, the younger me? Like, if I could tell you, that's what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, what would I tell the younger me? Okay, so the younger me is like 40, what, to the 40, so I got a whole bunch of me's, and <laughs> none, 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 none of them were different. So what I will say is, um, I would say the younger me. I would say like 12 years old, and when I'm trying to figure out everything, and I'm this creative kid and being bullied and all this kind of stuff. The one thing I would tell myself is, um, um, it does get better, and everything that everybody is, um, picking at you about will become your superpowers. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's so true. Facts. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, those things that people taunt you and pick at you as a, as a young person end up being the things that are just the golden things that set you apart. 
So back then, those are things you picked about. But yeah, those are your superpowers. So this is a question coming from Mike from Louisiana. Is What's up, Mike from Louisiana? <laughs> what is one thing you look for when interviewing a potential candidate to work for your company? Ooh, that's a good question. So what I do look for is, uh, you know, every, everybody does well, like interviewing and everything like that. Like, But like with my interns, like what you see on social media, for everyone, and this is just for it's just a highlight reel, right? Mm-hmm. So people don't know that I get down and dirty with everything I do, meaning that I'm the one that's like literally going and finding the buttons and flying across the country for like uh, maybe a yard of fabric and all this kind of stuff. So it's not a a lot of the stuff that is not posted is not glamorous. It's a lot of hard work. So um, I kind of test it out. Uh, by giving like small things, so, like I said, in a small business and something like this, no day is the same. But also, you know, the the reward is you know you giving your all, with, you know, no matter how long it takes. Because people don't even know. Sometimes when I'm working with like even a celebrity client, um, sometimes I don't sleep for like two or three days, you know. And so I'll never post those pictures of me <laughs> what I look like <laughs> during that time. But I need somebody that can that's gonna understand that's what I need from them, you know. So I asked him like uh, I asked some small questions, you know, what should they look like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of thing. So the small things kinda will tell me whether or not they can handle the intensity of like really being a part of, you know, this game. Yeah. Well, I mean, that really goes into the next one of like, you know, work ethic for me is huge. And yes. You know, my question is, what are the work ethics you believe in while really working in fashion and or people that want to work with you? Yeah, the work ethic, you know, especially in this business, um, taking ownership, right? Taking ownership and and not blaming. I think that and I always tell my interns and people that work with me. I don't think I don't believe in mistakes. I, I believe that everything is a learning opportunity. Anything that you may consider as a mistake is just a pivot from where you should be or something that you should have learned, right? Right. Because I also think that on the opposite side of some of the things that you feel uh, have are the worst things that ever happened to you, on the opposite side of that is the glory. And this is where the, the success lot lays in because I always, and I tell everybody, I tell my brothers, I tell my family, Always push yourself to a breakthrough. I, I think a lot of times people give up because stuff gets really, really hard. And I think Will Smith said it the best uh, because I've lived that. If you just keep going, the thing that you have been intimidated about that feels like it's giving you the most pressure, the most fear that you have, what you have to realize is that fear only comes when your body is getting ready for you to do something brave. And so for you to do something brave means that you have to overcome the obstacle because on the other side, not only is it success, but you have learned something that is that you that is transferable, not only into the thing that you're doing now, but you can continue to hold that. Like you can just say, oh, I remember when I thought it was the hardest thing. And once I got through it, I wish I would have been doing that all the time. Yeah. That's normally what people say. Right. No, you're telling the truth. I mean, and I think that's one of the things that honestly a lot of people really need to hear, especially from you, because I think, you know, a lot of people will see, let's just say your social media and they'll think that everything is supposed to be flowers and gold and you yeah. know, we don't really see the hard work. And I think to your point, 
it's not for everybody to see the grunt and the grind and the hustle. It's for right. me to show you the beauty of all the hard work that I have done. And I have to say, salute to you for all the work that you have done, because, I mean, it honestly has been received extremely well. And I think we are excited to see what's next for you to see as far as how you continue to evolve in your career. Um, as we wrap the show, you know, there are these flash questions that people always ask. Don't take okay. long. It's just a quick first thing that pops in your mind. And they're fun okay. questions because, you know, people get to see you on social, but maybe they don't know, know you. So this no, is one of the that, things that we get to find out some things about Octavius that you may not even know. So here we go. <laughs> okay. What do you think is the most childish thing that you still enjoy doing? Uh, I, I, people, I love hot wings. Hot wings is my <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. Okay. People don't think I'm fit. I'm 50. I, you, hot wings are, yeah. Okay. I still do that. Shout yeah. out. Shout out to hot wings. Shout um, out to hot wings. I can, I can literally eat those every day, maybe twice a day. Out of all the movies that you've seen, what movie do you wish life was more like? Oh, you got some good ones. I know. Out of all the movies I've watched, I, do I wish it was a reality? You may choose. Oh gosh! Oh my gosh! This is so good. Um, oh, that was a good one. You, you got me with that one. You got me with that one. Because I, I have some favorite movies. I don't know if I want them to be reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, gosh, 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 gosh. What would I say? What would I say? Um. Dang. Can I call a friend? Can I? Can I? Uh, <laughs> you can pause on that. And we can come back to okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. Let me call. Because like I, said, I have some favorite movies, but some of them are like could be end up end up being tear jerkers and stuff like that. That's why I love them. But I'm like, I don't want life to be like that. But I like the outcome of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what high level job do you think that you could lie your way into without no experience? Guys, <laughs> I've never heard that question before. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I think I could um, I think I could be a pilot. I think I could lie my way of being a pilot. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with everything. Yeah, that... only, only because I've seen so many. You know, growing up <laughs> playing video games, I've always seen the cockpit on video games, and from what I hear, they fly automatic. I think I could put. I think I would look good in like the uniform and just get on there. And then whoever, I could be the co-pilot and I would just let the pilot take everything and I could just lie about all the knobs and everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what is the highest pressure situation that you've ever experienced and how did you handle it? Oh, the highest pressure situation. Um, um, you know what I will say, and I, this is just a, a heartfelt side. You know, I, I lost my father about eight years ago, Sorry and uh, I will say, you know, it's okay. I will say that being the oldest son, you know, um, I was considered the the rock of the family, and I never expected that day to come. But it was the highest pressure situation because, you know, and I've never had to plan a funeral at all. But I knew that everybody was dependent on me with my father's uh, funeral that I literally for the first time had to do things that I had never done before. And the pressure was, was on as far as like my family depending on me to do it. But these are, you know, you know I've never, there, there's no, there's no playbook on how this all happens. Um, but what I will say is that um, 
on the other side of this, um, uh, it was one of the best experiences I could have ever, ever done because I was able to um, see things and, and gather things that I had never seen about my dad and my father and, and that kind of thing. So it ended up being just an amazing uh, time to just kind of celebrate him. And so I walked away from that feeling really great. And so did my family. I love it. Um, last few questions. What is, yeah. and this is going to be very interesting. Uh, okay. What is the worst purchase that you've ever made? <laughs> the worst purchase. Um, <laughs> when I was seven, when I was 16 years old, um, well, I, so funny, like my uncle ended up buying me like a car when I was like 15 years old, 14 years old. And I didn't, I couldn't drive it uh, until I turned 15, uh, 16, but I ended up wrecking it, even though I was not supposed to be driving it. Right. And so, um, I went to court and I lost my license for like six months, but the person, uh, but I, my insurance did pay for me to get another car. So the worst thing, the worst person I ever got, because I wanted a Jetta so bad, I wanted a Volkswagen <laughs> Jetta growing up, that I couldn't afford a Jetta and there was this car called a Renault Alliance, right? So I said, it looks just like a Jetta and I got it at, a, at an auction. It looks just like a Jetta mom and dad and they didn't go with me and they were so mad I got it. When I tell you I bought that car, the same night I drove it to a party in high school and the the actual axle or the back axle the wheels fell off of the car oh at the party. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I couldn't even drive it. So it was the car was gone that same night. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I mean nothing like if you want a Jetta, get a Jetta. Don't get you know, I mean if you want something, the original get the real thing. Are you like <laughs> get the get the real thing, y'all. Stop yeah. playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, last question, and, and this is definitely something, you know, that came from me to you. Uh, okay. what are some of your greatest strengths as well as some of your greatest weaknesses? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think some of my, my greatest strengths are, um, um, it's, you know, like, like when I say pushing yourself to a breakthrough, I've learned to do some things that, um, uh, well, I would say I, I don't like to wait on a lot of different people to do things. So I'll teach myself, uh, something that I've always wanted to learn just so I can get it done. I think that that is my, my biggest asset that like, you know, from like creating my, doing my own website, I'm not a coder, but I learn how to code and I'll push myself cause I want to get it done. Um, I think my, my biggest weakness, uh, is my pride. Uh, it's hard for me to ask for help, uh, at the same time, uh, because I'm, um, I'm very prideful. I feel like people will never know if um, I'm not able to get something done or do something because that just won't be me. <laughs> no, and I think to your point, I, I had that same conversation the other day about, you know, if I got to get it done, I'm going to get it done. And I, I feel like if not, I need to figure it out before I start asking for help. And I have to say, you know, we appreciate you. We appreciate your service, Octavius. But in Moreover, we have to say we appreciate the footprints that you have really set for other people to follow. And so if you guys are not following this man, make sure that you check his Instagram out at Octavius Terry. Make sure that you support his site. Of course, it is going to be at Octavius Terry. And of course, you can shop. You know, he has the couture face mask. He has the phenomenal eyewear line. Like, oh, uh, shout out to you. Native Ken, you know, yeah. but also to what he touched on earlier, he is talking about how to support other black fashion designers. And so a huge shout out to you just for being the biggest creative 
in the industry right now and we're excited to see what's next for you any last words for the listeners yeah i would just say you know words of encouragement you know keep going uh, don't be afraid to jump or take, you know, something that you always dreamed of doing. Like I'm a, a huge example of that. That's why I say, you know, be inspired by my story that it's never too late. Um, you don't have to have all the answers. Just jump and build your wings on the way up. Love that. And as he, he said at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to end with this is be bold, be authentic and be inspiring. Yes. And guys, as we always say at the end of the show, stay positive, but stay creative. Until next time, thank you guys for listening.